Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay. And for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks was created uh, due to my mom living with dementia for 30 years. And I just thought it was silly that we weren't connecting people to services, products, and tools and thoughts from people all around the world in all ages and stages dealing with uh, dementia. So that is our goal. Maybe you can be our next guest. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. And you are welcome to download that on any of your favorite music platforms. Now, some of you may or may not be aware that to, this week is a Loopy Body Week. And so just a big uh, shout out to all of those living with Loopy Body and supporting those uh, diagnosed with it. Uh, before I introduce our guests, I always like to do a few housekeeping items, so I'm going to do that first. Uh, one is just to um, do a shout-out to the Memory Cafe directory and remind our listeners that some memory cafes are now coming um, offline and back in person. So there's a nice variety to choose from. You can find out more by going to Memory Cafe directory. Dot com, or you can check out Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory, uh, which actually Dave Widrick, uh, the founder of the Memory Cafe directory, and myself uh, co-founded. It is full of wonderful resources there. Uh, just go to DementiaMap.com. And if you want to learn more, I'm actually doing an um, event that is being sponsored by Maple Hill Senior Living and Moments Hospice, and that will be June 23rd at 8 to 9 a.m., and that is Central Time, but that is virtual, so anybody is welcome to join us on that. And I also have to give a shout out, um, because this is going to be closing soon, uh, to Mods Ventures. They are funding three different challenges. They're giving seed funding, uh, seed funding of Fifty to one hundred thousand dollars for adaptive clothing, for aphasia, and for respite care. So check out modsventures.org for more information on that. And then um, in November, Together for Dementia is holding a global conference, and I'm, I'm also going to be speaking at that. You can find more information on alzheimerspeaks.com if you are interested in that. And let's see, last I want to give a shout out to Coral Health because right now they're still letting you download two of their music apps. One is Music First and one is Coral Faith. And that is only going to be for a little while um, while we're in COVID here. 
and we are going to hear from the foot bar walker, and we will be right back and have our discussion, which I can't wait to have, about connecting people by mending minds and hearts through music. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Foot Bar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Foot Bar Walker. Well, welcome back. I can't wait to have our conversation here. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, I'm thrilled that we have uh, Carol Rosenstein with us, who is the executive director of Music, Ma- uh, I'm sorry, Music Men's Minds. And she founded that in 2014 after discovering the positive effect that music had on her husband, Erwin, who had dementia and Parkinson's. So welcome, Carol. How are you doing today? I'm thrilled to be here with you and all of your listeners, Lori. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us and taking out uh, this time of, of day for you. I know it's it, everyone's lives is busy, but it's important for us to hear what other people are doing and how how they've coped with dealing with this disease. And I think music is just such a a brilliant, brilliant way. Um, I also want to introduce uh, to our audience Janice Hassett, and she is from Massachusetts. Um, she uh, lived there and then uh, was in Los Angeles to be near her three daughters in uh, 2015 because her husband, Mike, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And they actually discovered Music Men's Minds uh, during a visit to UCLA. And uh, Mike became a trumpet player for the Fifth Dementia and Jazz Anova Band, which is pretty cool. I can't wait to hear more about that until March 2020 when COVID shut everything down. Um, And so we will hear more about about Mike and Janice's journey. So welcome, Janice. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be here. Well, good. Before I go down my line of questioning, I always like to ask everybody if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. And, and Carol, I'm going to ask you first, and then I'll go to Janice. Well, I tell you, uh, hearing that you, Lori, uh, watched your mom for 30 years suffering from dementia, then my 15-year journey is not that bad. Because my darling, Erwin, who died about five months ago, had a very hard, long journey for 15 years with Parkinson's and dementia. So I come from a place of personal suffering, and our story is so magical. And I can say that, yes, to the music, it is a lifesaver. 
it prolongs your ability to function, and it, it's just packed with pixie dust to change suffering into pure joy. So my very painful journey with my darling husband really turned out quite magical thanks to the power of music changing brain chemistry. I love that you talk about pixie dust because it is, it is truly a magical journey. I was interviewing somebody the other day and we used a reference, something similar to that. And, you know, and it just, anyone who's been through it understands it, but people who don't think, what are they talking about? <laughs> you know, this isn't something you can just wave a wand at and all of a sudden it's okay. But we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about that. Um, and Janice, can you tell us a little bit more about, um, your husband, I had mentioned, you know, that he uh, was diagnosed in uh, 2015, but it, what were some of the symptoms? Uh, did you see things earlier? Did diagnosis go quickly? So many, it takes two or three years to even get a diagnosis. Well, in 2015, Mike was diagnosed, but we were living with uh, the Alzheimer's probably since 2011, 2010. Um, 2012, Mike came to me with a handful of business bills. He was an attorney. He had his own business. And um, he handed me the bills and said, I just can't do this anymore. And I, I looked at him, and I was quite surprised because it, it kind of I, I didn't know any of this. And um, as he came and he sat down and talked to me, I realized he had lost all of his math. He didn't know the difference between um, numbers. He didn't know money anymore. Um, I don't know how he hid this from me, but he did. And um, so that was the beginning of, of my actual journey. But if I go back a couple of years before that, there were small little things that I never would have expected would have been considered, you know, a part of Alzheimer's. Um, I think this is important because I think most people, at least from my experience, most people who uh, found out about our, our journey would say, you know, does he recognize you? This is very early on. Um, Mike had very little memory issues in the beginning. And even though Alzheimer's is a memory disease, it's also a brain disease. And it affects different parts of the brain at different times. And each person goes through this disease in a different way. So for Mike, his was not memory uh, that was the, the beginning symptoms. His was more his speech. He was starting to have long, drawn-out pauses in his speech. He was, um, you know, having some word retrieval. Uh, and then his speech became a little bit, you know, he was going around in a circle with his speech. Um, so speech is one of the big things that I noticed. And, um, and some of his judgment was off. Um, but it wasn't until he came to me with all of that, that with, with the business bill, that I knew he was in big trouble. So we went the long route of misdiagnosis three years, and, uh, you know, they thought it was depression, which it was, um, <clears throat> but that wasn't the, the crux of it. Uh, they thought it was sleep apnea. So we went for three years of, you know, with hope that he was going to get better. Um, it wasn't until I realized he couldn't fill out an application at the end of 2014 that I said, okay, something's terribly wrong here, and that's when we started the process of neurologists, and we ended up finally going to Mass General um, to see a specialist there, and he recommended we have a lumbar puncture test, and that those results came back in February of 2015, that he had the, uh, the proteins and the, uh, the, the antibodies for um, Alzheimer's. So that was okay. the beginning of our journey. 
You know, a very common one, sad to say. I mean, I've heard of people getting divorced, being told this is a midlife crisis and all kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, but depression is is super common, the sleep apnea, all of those things. It is just a really, really tricky thing to uh, to do. And for, for someone like Mike, who has been so competent and capable to come to you, I can just see that with the bills and go, I can't do this anymore. How difficult that must have been for him um, to have to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I appreciate you sharing that because I I just think it's so telling and it gives a lot of people comfort when they're struggling to try to get a diagnosis. and, And I think it helps give them the strength to kind of push push forward and realize that the doctors do not know all the answers. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's critical to get to not only a neurologist, but someone who really specializes in dementia in and of itself mm-hmm. there. So, so thank you. Um, let's see, uh, Carol, I want to go to you and I want to ask you about, you know, what exactly is music me- um, men's minds and, you know, how did you come up with it? Um, you know, where did the t- I was, I'm always interested in the title in terms of um, how that came to be and so forth. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's it's a telling story. Uh, my Irwin had medications uh, with his Parkinson uh, had issues with his his Parkinson's medication, and he had after seven years of usage. Um, was having horrendous hallucinations, agitation, and uh, something was radically wrong. So the neurologist uh, said it seems like he's been on the uh, Cinemet, the medication, too long. Uh, There's an overdose issue in the brain, and we need to pull down the dose immediately, which we did. And for a Parkinson patient, uh, which is a movement disorder, pulling down uh, dopamine uh, is, a, is, is a travesty because it's like pulling the rug out from under, from under you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I saw something amazing. He would sit at the piano in a kind of a doom, gloom, kind of a funk because he was lacking his meds. But I watched after 10 or 15 minutes of playing the piano, he would resurrect just like you watered a a flower that was dry and needing a drink. And he would just literally re-engage with his environment like he had just had a dose of medication. So I ran to the telephone and called our doctor, our neurologist, Dr. Jeffrey um, uh, Bronstein at UCLA, told him my, my findings, and in a very nonchalant way, he said, Carol, you're watching the power of music changing brain chemistry. I mean, he told me as if, you know, I, 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 I should have known what Wheaties were. And I said, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, that's what music does in the brain. It activates your own natural cells in your brain that release the neurotransmitter dopamine, which was what was in his medication that we had to reduce. And I was absolutely flabbergasted. And I said, Dr. Bronstein, does that mean that I can find some like-minded souls that are in trouble 
with diseases that have no cure to come and jam with Erwin and we can all have fun and use the brain like our own inbuilt pharmacy to push natural dopamine? And he said, go for it. And that's how we found a name, Music Men's Minds, a group of 30 people came to a launch that I arranged within 10 minutes of meeting total strangers, four angels, gentlemen, found their way to a Steinway piano and a drum kit next to it. One pulled out his harmonica. My Irwin pulled a saxophone off the wall. We were in a gorgeous music studio at Winwood School in Los Angeles. And the four of them started jamming together, and they bonded within 10 or 15 minutes right in front of our eyes. And so that was the core of the four that became a world sensation called the Fifth Dementia Flagship Band. It is such an incredible story. I am so proud to share this information with the world. And to tell anyone out there, if they're suffering, call us, go online, come and make music with us. We have a Zoom platform three times a week that is global. We are global. We have music therapists who are running our sessions. They empower our people. And we're having the time of our lives as we are crossing the continuum of these diseases that bring such hopelessness to them. And I'm here to tell you, we have to share hope and music magic with anyone out there who would like to come on board and journey with us on this totally magical journey. Oh, I just, I love that. That is, um, it, it, that is so cool. And like you said, it just happens just so organically, so naturally. And, and yeah. you know, that happens with, with all humans. It, you know, when you are with like-minded people, it, you just sync up, just boom. You're just right on the same plate and um, you, you go forward. And that doesn't change with dementia. And that is something I think that is such an important lesson for people to understand that, you know, people living with dementia are much more alike us than different. And yet yes. we've, been, we've been told to look for the differences. Well, if we look for the differences, you know, we're going to find them. And, uh, but right. we have to remember people can do the same thing to us because none of us are perfect either in terms of what we do well, and, you know, and how we, we do are, it. We're, we're all connected with the same vibration that enjoys and reaches out to music. Mm-hmm. And what happens, uh, as I now have learned along the way, we have music storage cells in our brains that retain music memory from early, early infancy. And mm-hmm. these cells do not succumb to the disease. So they are surrounded by other types of brain cells that are afflicted with their various issues about a formation of cells and they succumb to these diseases but the music cell storage stands proud to the end of the line 
I tell you, with my husband, who was in stage for a long time, no talking, no walking, he had a voracious appetite and really lived for his food, and music. And when he was needing a lift, of course, I would come in with my shaker, my little shaker, and I mm-hmm. would shake my booty and turn up the music. And within seconds, he had a smile on his face. He was clap, snapping his fingers to the beat and tapping his toes. And the music became a language replacement for traditional conversational language. And this took him all the way to his complete end stage where he reacted to the rhythm of the music. And this gift we can share with all of you to make your journey so happy while we are all sitting patiently waiting for the cure. You know, you had mentioned something about, you know, the doctor, you know, telling you like, like you should know all the music, yeah. you know, has this effect on people. And, you know, and I find it so sad that the doctors literally can't write a prescription for this. Uh, this is yes. much cheaper than medication and a lot of other things. You know, it has a lasting effect. So it's not just while they're doing the music. I mean, there's evidence that, that shows that that brain function can can uh, sustain for a while. And yes. But even, you know, even if they can't get it covered, you know, for a program or for an iPad or whatever it might be, they should still be telling families about this because families are spending a lot of money trying to figure out how to engage and keep somebody comfortable and happy. Um, you know, we really have to get our doctors more connected to resources and, and get them to understand how important this knowledge is to families. Here, here, that you have really hit the nail on the head. And this is why the timing now for Music Men's Minds is so important because we're offering a free service globally. And we have people coming in from all over the world, depending on time zones, but those even in Rwanda and Uganda, Africa, it's 11, 12 at night. They still come in on the platform because they need their fix of music. When Mm -hmm. I speak to individuals on the Zoom platform as we each open our mics individually to have a chat, some of the people who were non-conversational by the end of a, a session will open the mic and intelligibly talk to me. And that is staggering because that's proof before my eyes of a before and after a session. And so we know there's carryover. And those with Parkinson's and their movement disorder, they are benefiting from the music and the engagement of the brain because they talk better, walk better, think better, smile better. Because one of the early symptoms of my darling Irwin was that he lost his ability to smile 
because mm-hmm. the mechanism of smiling is is muscular. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with a movement disorder, it's about muscle movement. And so the muscles that would allow you to smile are compromised until you give them a fix of dopamine. Well, the music is doing that because activating the brain through music is literally unleashing the the identical hormones that some of the medications are putting in and the medications are synthetic and your brain cells are natural sources so again our brains are our central pharmacy and music unlocks what we need in order to assist people with these neurodegenerative diseases even post-traumatic brain injury stroke and PTSD we mm-hmm. cover the range because music is medicine for the mind and the side effect pure joy yep can you yep. do better than that <laughs> you really can't you really can't and it is uh it, it i mean it's so it's so powerful and it's so sad <clears throat> that this isn't being leveraged and talked about yes. more and i love that your service is free because a lot of people can't afford you know um services for fees I mean, they're just trying to put food on the table and keep a roof over their head and um right. you know this is is very very um critical um have you uh told the like um i'm just trying to think for to be able to tap into more people with this the um memory cafe directory at all because they would be really interested in hearing about this being a free a free service um and i can easily connect you um with both the memory cafe and there's a group out in massachusetts called the the percolator group and they are putting together kind of a roster of different services and you would be ideal to be listed in that as well for people to be able to tap into Deeply appreciated. Thank you, Lori. Okay. Well, I will definitely, definitely connect you um, to that. Um, you know, we, we touched on some of the, the neurodegenerative uh, um, pieces of the disease and, and some of the, the benefits of music. Um, is there anything else that you, you want to add? I mean, just like you said, it, it changes the, the body chemistry. It changes the mood. It changes movement. It changes people's ability to comprehend and stay connected. Um, you know, all of those things were, were things that you had um, mentioned previously. But was there anything else that you wanted to add on to that? Um, you know, I can go on and on. But what I do want to say is that we're in partnership with Rotary International Clubs, which mm-hmm. is a global organization a service organization and together we are now moving a global initiative music is medicine energize and empower through music and so Mm -hmm. if there are any rotarians out there listening please contact us because we already have a very strong partnership moving music into the world And God knows that COVID 
has impacted the world emotionally with depression huge now um, in the forefront. And what better medicine than music to give somebody suffering from depression? So we've really moved into a wider um, brushstroke of people that we can help because now we've got all of these COVID patients who are also needing the music together with everybody who needs it because of neurodegenerative decline. So I am really putting this ask out in a global sense. If you have any Rotarian friends that you can turn on, please contact us. We have such a powerful partnership to reach the world together. And yes, um, it's, it's all about people helping people. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the pandemic has taught us anything, Lori, it is that we are one. We are all suffering. We're all on the same page. And yes, I mean, the philosophies say that life is for suffering, but you have to catch the wave when there is joy so that you can have a little moment of such joy while you have so many hardships. So again, this is for everyone, not only our dear souls suffering with diagnoses at this point that have no cure. Well, and I think one of the things, too, is that people have to realize, like you said, this is, this is for a person with dementia, but this affects everybody around them who sees this, this bright light yeah. shine within them. I mean, it, it, yeah. it changes the room. It changes the family structure. It changes friendships. I mean, it just gets people in awe, and it gets them relaxed and comfortable and, and proud. And, I mean, the, the list of words can go, can go on and on and on yes. with it all. Yes. Um, well, and, let me, and, hmm? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, That's fine. I, I was butting in. Uh, but, yes, you know, as I've worked with our groups now, the Fifth Dementia Band, the Jazzanova Band, the Island Rockers, Uh, the tunes for the memory, we have 20 bands that went dark before COVID. And now we're going to have many, many more global bands. But what I've been seeing in person and now on Zoom, because our people who have been stripped of their identities, of their memories, uh, it is just horrendous to see a human being so substantial like my husband, who was a, 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 a high-powered attorney, and he's reduced to minimal, minimalist. And yet, when it comes to, to music, he's empowered because of those cells that retain music storage. And these souls become alive again. They are empowered again. There is something they can do well again in the midst of their journey of suffering. And as I've watched the Fifth Dementia and all the other bands, to see these wonderful human beings really transform themselves, it brings 
so much joy to the caregivers, the families, and the communities at large that I say if you cross the threshold into a space where you are going to experience music coming from our patients making music together, you leave high as a kite because you've seen the magic of music before your eyes and you seeing is believing and then you experience it yourself. And so again, back to the music for everybody. I mentioned pixie dust, but yes, it's more than magic because today there is conclusive scientific evidence to support what I am talking about. That in the research of music, you can go to our tab on our website that is our research tab, and you will be enthralled by the scientific evidence to substantiate what I am sharing with you all today. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. Um, I want to pull uh, Janice uh, back into the conversation here. Um, Janice, I want to ask you, uh, you know, Mike um, was impacted by this. Um, you know, when you guys met up with Music uh, Men's Minds, can you tell us how you found out about them and, and how did it transpire to be life-changing for the two of you? Well, uh, actually, just to backtrack a little bit to what Carol had said, that they were um, they're, they're saying that music is stored in the brain from infancy. Um, Mike was a very well-trained trumpet player as a, a young boy and into his teenage years. He was involved with a, a, a band, a big band um, for, for youth, and um, just very well trained. Um, by the time I met him, we were in our late 20s. He was starting his law practice. Uh, we ended up getting married uh, early 30s. We, you know, he he stopped. Play- I didn't even know he played the trumpet. I had never heard him play. So we were married 34 years when we moved out here to, from Massachusetts to California. And uh, before we left, he said, oh, I'm going to take my trumpets. And I said, what? <laughs> Why are you taking your trumpets? He said, oh, he said, I think I'll, I'll play when I get out there. I said, all right. I rolled my eyes. Well, he came out here, and within a couple of weeks, we got settled. He started picking up the trumpet and practicing. I thought, wow, he's pretty good. I really never heard him play very much. I knew he had a good background, but for 30 years, he really hadn't played at all. So he started practicing, and um, one day, his 85-year-old trumpet teacher called him. He had heard he had Alzheimer's. He felt really badly. He called him up to see how he was doing. And Mike happened to be practicing at the time, so he, his, Ronnie said to him, Mike, put it on speaker. So he put it on speakerphone, and he said, play the song for me. So Mike played it. He said, oh, wow, that's great. He kept encouraging him. Well, after that, that was it. Mike practiced two hours a day. He got so good, I was absolutely shocked. I had not heard him play in 30 years. And now he's got Alzheimer's. Early, you know, he's, he's in the early stages, but he still had Alzheimer's. And he just picked it up like you wouldn't believe. Um, in the meantime, he started watching, um, in his free time, he started watching these Louis Armstrong videos that we had. We had the, uh, the, the thing of jazz from uh, Ken Burns. Uh, he had put together a beautiful uh, video uh, component of that. And Mike started watching these things. He'd be looking at Louis Armstrong, picking up all these little 
little things, and he would go and practice them after. Well, then he would go. We, we found out about Music Men's Minds through UCLA, and I said, oh, my God, he's got to, we've, got, we've got to get him into this. So I called Carol. We, fortunately, they didn't have a trumpet player, so this was kind of a good fit. We went, and um, the rest is history. I mean, he kept improving as he went along. So I'd say the first two years, Carol, would you say? He just improved every time he went to practice. And who would have thought that somebody with Alzheimer's, after 30 years of not playing, would not only pick up where he left off, but continue to improve and learn new things in the music area? So that's really fascinated myself as well as everybody else around me and I, I know Carol can attest to that because she witnessed it but um, but it was really fascinating to see how the music is stored and how as everything else was starting to decline slowly the music kept improving wow what a story what a, what an amazing amazing story and how how beautiful to see I think you know one of the things that you know, we really have to teach families and the, and the public at large is not to always think they can't. You know, that seems to be the first thought. They can't do this. They can't do the, that. They can't. They can't. They can't. And when it comes to that portion of the brain that's creative, it's amazing what what is still there. Um, I just did a program on um, different types of arts. And the artwork that people did was, just, I mean, jaw-dropping. And, you know, I don't know if part of it's that their filters are gone and they're not worried so much about judgment. You know, they've kind of gone over that, that hump um, where, you know, they're, they're not worried about other people's opinions. But with music, it's typically drawn on what they've known. I know with my mom, we have beautiful clips of her enjoying a music therapist and and um, and different musicians coming to visit her, and no matter what stage she was in, just like Carol was saying, even if it was a very end stages and she couldn't get out the words, the rhythm was still there, the joy was expressed, and um, you know she just beamed, just beamed, and so that had to be so cool for you to to witness that. Um, oh, it was amazing. My whole family, my children. I mean, all his his. Siblings, you know, we would. I take clips and I'd send them to his uh, to his siblings, and they were the whole thing. Just, I mean, Music Men's Minds added so much to Mike's life. And um, you know, when you were asking Carol about the benefits, I think the benefits change as the stage of the disease changes. Mm-hmm. But for Mike, during his early stages, he was a lifelong learner, and he was still very conscious of his working life at that point. And he needed to fill that void of feeling useful. He had early onset Alzheimer's also. So he was in his late, you know, middle to late 50s when all of this started. So he was still very actively involved in his career when this hit him. So for him to have that void, he needed something to give him purpose. And Music Men's Minds really did. It gave him a purpose. It gave him a peer group. It gave him a sense of pride because he was a real perfectionist. And even with the disease, as it was stripping everything away, you could see that, that he worked very hard to make sure that he didn't miss a note in his music. Um, it gave him quality of life. Um, and it gave him something to think about because what I think we don't understand is as this disease progresses, um, 
their their thoughts change. They don't have a lot of thoughts. They don't know necessarily the time of day it is, what, what are the plans for today. So this gave him something to hold on to and to think about. That was in the early stages. Now, as, as the stages progressed, um, I think it, it changed a little bit. Um, it gave him more of a sense of well-being, a sense of peace. Um, it was familiarity, you know, music from the time when he was younger. I mean, I think we can all go back to a time in high school when we hear a song and it brings us right back to that day, to that moment, to the, who you were with. Um, you know, so when they're playing music of the time when they were growing up in that, that important time in our life, I think that it brings them right back. So it does give them familiarity. It also mm-hmm. gives them a distraction as they get later into the disease. Um, you know, their their processes are changing. They have, um, they can't do very much anymore. They, you know, Mike didn't know the difference between a remote control and a, and a cell phone. Um, he couldn't play cards. He couldn't, there was not much that we could um, entertain him with. But this was a distraction from all of that. Um, and it also gave him a cognitive and emotional alertness. Um, after he would come back from the band, I mean, there were days when he didn't want to go to practice. He was just being obstinate. And he'd get in the car. We'd go to the – we never missed a practice. He'd, he'd go to practice. And on the way home, it was like a different person. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he was whistling in the car. He was, you know, like bopping to the music. Um, he was more alert. He um, he wasn't very communicative overall, but he tried to communicate more. Um, and this held, this stayed throughout the afternoon. So if he had a bad morning and he went to the music program, we saw a huge difference in him when he came home. It was really amazing. Wow. Um, you know, so I can truly attest to everything Carol's saying. Um, you know, I don't know. How, he, he really, how, go ahead. I was going to say, how how did that affect your stress level in terms of caring? I would think that that helped to reduce um, some of some of the stress that people feel when when they are caring for a loved one with dementia. Well, it did because um, for the most part, when he got to the, the later stages, when he really couldn't do very much, music was always our our standby. We had Pandora on our TV, and we'd put it in; it would go all day long. Um, and if we ran out of Pandora music, we'd go into YouTube and, and look up artists and we would just play it for him. And seriously, that that he would sit there all day and just tap his foot. He would engage in the music. He would You'd see him like trying to, um, he looked like he was uh, running an orchestra. You know, he would stand there with his, he'd stand up and he'd move his hands with the music. Um, it, it was just a delight to watch, and it really did reduce some of my stress knowing that we had the music here. Because if we didn't, I don't know what I would have done. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, what I mean, do you that think really su- saved him. Uh huh. What do you think surprises most people when they when they see that happening, when they actually experience it, and are able well, to, to watch him kind of bloom? I think this has brought so much joy to so many people. Um, Mike is such a great man, and he was really liked by many, many people. And um, they were very, very sad to hear he had Alzheimer's. And I think people not knowing much about how the disease progresses, and I think most of us don't unless we live with it, um, 
they had very, you know, horrible thoughts about what was going to happen to him. And I think when they saw, you know, I'd send videos, he looked perfectly normal and he'd be playing the trumpet and he'd be playing it beautifully. People would send, you know, I'd put some stuff on Facebook and we'd get a hundred messages. Oh my God, he sounds great. Isn't this wonderful? You know, I mean, it really made people happy to know that he had something in his life that gave him purpose, mm-hmm. you know, that made him feel useful. And I think that's really all what we want for people is to know that they have something in their life that they still can appreciate and enjoy. Yep, I, I would agree. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull Carol back in here. Carol, what do you think surprises people the most when they experience um, these people are just kind of coming alive and, and really rejoicing mm-hmm. in music. Yes. I, I want to firstly thank Janice for being so eloquent and telling her story from the heart so appropriately. I'm fighting back my tears because it's all true. And I'm so happy to have this opportunity to share this with everybody today. Thank you, Lori. But yes, I mean, it's to, for everybody to see a human being who has been reduced markedly because of these diseases, paralyzing circuits in the brain, to see them empowered to come together in such full beauty and functionality with the music, it's jaw-dropping. You can't believe your eyes. People are blown away, and caregivers are blown away. And I know that it it means so much to the patients who have been given up. As you know, most people are living with a stigma. Today they're in the shadows. They feel embarrassed to even tell people the name of their diagnosis that they've been given. But when the music is turned on for them, they come out of the shadows into the sunlight and become functional human beings again. It is awesome. It is powerful. It is such a gift. And for me to be the executive director and founder of Music Men's Minds is such an honor and a privilege for me to serve humanity like this. I'm sorry, I'm fighting the tears. But it is perfectly is, fine and understandable. I, I I get it because I have experienced it with my own mom, and I will let you know that I have I have snippets of my mom um, with the musician. I have several of them, and my mom's been gone since 2014. And I can have a really bad day, and all I have to do is go and watch one of those short videos, and my whole world changes. And I am happy, and I am calm. And life's not so bad. Absolutely. It's about memories. You know, we're all here for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And we all must go. And some people go to sleep one night and don't wake up the next morning. But we have millions of people suffering that are living Mm -hmm. with this and like this for so many years. It's the longest, most painful journey. Mm -hmm. And to be able to give some kind of a panacea 
to feel better and feel the joy of being alive. This is it, it's it's the a blessing of blessings. I want to also say that a fetus, six months gestation, still in utero, is hearing the little melody of twinkle, twinkle, little star. And if the pregnant mother plays a little melody of twinkle, twinkle, little star or of whatever other music, that fetus, once it is full term and it is born, it responds to the music outside of the uterus that it's already memorizing and recollecting the sound that it heard at six months gestation. And again, it's back to those music storage cells that are making this magical journey possible. And, you know, Janice, you speak about quality of life. That's what our patients lose. And to have the music replace that for them at their particular moment in time on their continuum of suffering to find quality of life there is nothing better. So Agreed. it is just such a powerful moment to be hearing from Janice and allowing me to share my story. Uh, we, we want everybody to wake up, smell the coffee, hear the music, turn on the music. Because whether you are a patient in distress because of a diagnosis or somebody's just blue because their day has been troublesome, music will change your mood, your disposition, your functionality, and you'll end up whistling and toe-tapping and making your day beautiful. Well, you know, your your goal is beautiful in terms of, of changing people's worlds around and, and giving them peace and comfort and joy and engagement and pride and purpose. I mean, all of those things are wrapped into this. And so, you know, kudos for you um, to mention this to your doctor and, you know, basically having the, the stamina to try this out and, and push it forward and make connections. And, you know, to be able to offer this free to people is incredible. And I'm so glad that I got to know about you so that I can help spread the word of your work as well. Um, I do want to mention that they are on, uh, on Dementia Map as well, Music Men's Minds. And, uh, of course, you can always go to their website, musicmensmind.org, um, as well. Um, what's your long-term goal, um, Carol, for the organization? I know you're thinking big. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am truly believing that we have long-range legs. And I do believe that Music Men's Minds, partnered by Rotary International Clubs and other important partners, 
that we will be around for generations. Mm -hmm. I will be a daisy on a hillside, as will you and Janice one day, and there will be others promoting the power of music as medicine, changing brain chemistry and bringing pure joy to the world. So, yes, my plans are long-range. They're big dreams. I believe, I believe that with the help of your listeners and those already on board, these dreams will be realized. I think so, too. Um, Janice, anything that you want to add? Yes. um, You know, as the disease progressed for Mike, this was our experience, um, he got to a point where he couldn't even put his trumpet mouthpiece on his trumpet. We'd go to the practice. I'd have to help him get the trumpet mouthpiece on, and I would I'd sit down and I'd say, oh, no, this isn't going to be a good day. He'd put the trumpet to his lips. He would hear the other people, you know, just the first note from other, all the other band members, and he would play like you've never heard him play before. I, I was just astounded. Here he was. He was suffering so much. He couldn't even apply the mouthpiece. He had forgotten how to do that, something so simple. But yet when he put it to his lips, he would play the song right through, and he didn't miss a note. Wow. And um, and Carol can attest to that because we'd all have our yes. jaws dropping. Cause they, they would see that I was going up there putting his trumpet mouthpiece on for him because he couldn't do it. And, um, you know, it it truly amazed all of us. And, and, you know, he played beautifully. But toward the end, once we went into Zoom, um, of course, the pandemic, it really hit a lot of Alzheimer's patients very hard. And um, he started to decline rapidly during the, the, the pandemic. And he was doing the Zoom classes, and he got to a point where he actually didn't even remember where his trumpet was in the house. So he started to whistle. And mm-hmm. he would whistle right on key, a full song, and that was his contribution. He would whistle right through. And um, and that would blow us away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how can he do this? How can he, he whistle so perfectly and so precisely, but yet he couldn't even carry on a conversation? So, yeah. um, That's wonderful. It's and, and, again, it's all about adaption. I remember when my mom was in the... The nursing home, they didn't have a band, but they, they developed a choir, and the choir would go around and sing to the three floors. And, you know, mm-hmm. my mom couldn't put her, you know, pick out her clothes for the appropriate weather or, you know, find the dining room on her own. But mm-hmm. boy, she loved being in that choir, and she was so proud <laughs> singing her songs. And, you know, it was a sad day when she quit, when she wasn't as mobile and she, she couldn't participate as well and they couldn't, they couldn't accommodate it. And, um, but boy, it, it was, she just beamed. She just beamed, mm-hmm. you know, and as she declined, we saw the adaption too, where she couldn't sing as much, mm-hmm. but she had the rhythm. So we used to dance standing up, and then it was dancing with her in the wheelchair. Then it was arm dances, and then it was hand dances, and then we got down Mm -hmm. to just just the pinky dance, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But she was full of joy, full of joy. 
um, totally enjoying that. So I, I think, you know, if people can get out of the way and allow them to express themselves and, and have that joy, feel engaged, instead of judging, you know, that it's not like it used to be. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't right have on. to be valued. Right on. And, right um, on. And that, that's oh, and of Carol's, of Carol's, that's and the now, of Carol's program is that she um, she always accepted everybody at where they were at. And when Mike left, started <clears throat> forgetting about his trumpet and started the whistling, she made such a big deal out of that. And it just, I mean, his ego was just so blown blown up <laughs> from her making him feel so good about, I mean, he didn't even remember that he played the trumpet. He But mm-hmm. he... But now he had he had transferred all of those skills into whistling, and he got the same joy that he got from playing the trumpet. So it, it really was a wonderful, wonderful Gorgeous. Experience. And that's why we want everybody to know about our Zoom platform, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Meet our board-certified music therapist. I am there cheering them on, and you will see our seniors singing solos, playing musical instruments, solos. I mean, these people would never step forward if they were on a stage, but there's Mm -hmm. something on Zoom, being in the safety of their own personal home, that they're finding the confidence to raise a hand and offer us a solo. It will melt your heart. Please Come on now, Zoom platform and see. Please find our website. We have a legacy tab. You will find Mike Hassett there, and you will hear him playing his trumpet. He is a soloist of renown in the midst of his Alzheimer's. The story will truly melt your heart. Well, ladies, I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us and and sharing the good work that you're doing um, and really explaining the effects of what what Music Men's Minds does for people. So, again, uh, for our audience, you can go to their website, musicmensminds.org. That's musicmensminds.org. Or you can always call them at 818-326. Zero five zero zero. That's eight one eight three two six zero five zero zero. Carol and Janice, thank you again for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you for thank having you, us, Lori. Wonderful right. opportunity. Blessings to you for your good work. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope that you like, click, and share this episode. We have to get more and more people involved in Music Men's Minds. I know you probably are clicking off a few people in your head of who would appreciate this. I know I definitely am, and we'll be spreading the word. So please help us raise awareness of this wonderful service. And uh, don't forget to check out Alzheimer Speaks. We have all different types of resources for you there, too. Thanks again. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye now.